in thinking how to try and wrap things up. Um, it can be hard when we get to the end of something that we've been looking forward to and something um, like this in our Christian lives where we get away from it all and all the desires of our hearts when it comes to our worship lives and our prayer lives and our devotion to God and our love of his word that all kind of uh, has so much time and space to come to the fore we can get nervous about um, stepping into the next thing about what is it going to be like am I just going to go back to the same old me I've wanted to see change or I feel like God you have changed me you've told me significant things in these times that can be quite a nerve-wracking thing or we just go into it and before we know it, we are back into our routine, before we think about it. That's my story growing up. Growing up in a Christian home with my dad as a vicar in the Church of England. And I would go along to Soul Survivor, which was a conference for young people. And every time I'd go away, that's where it would be passionate Sam and worshipful Sam. And I love your word, God. And all these things. I'd go back and there'd be the kind of post-Soul Survivor blues um, where I'd put on the CD that I bought um, at the conference. to be like, why can't worship be like this? Church is so boring. Um, and lament. Um, and um, that can be a real thing. And it's a good thing to process because that's part of stepping back into the day-to-day and into the world. But what I want for us is, yes, a sadness about leaving somewhere amazing. Um, This is the Suffolk coastline, the best coastline in the world. It's so beautiful. Um, and, And we're with one another. And you're amazing people. You're amazing guys. And I'll be sad to be leaving. Um, and looking forward to our next time together. But what I hope with this is that it helps us be more excited for what's to come, that we've been focusing on. This is an amazing time to get away. I think it is a a significant time to use New Year's to be like, the year ahead, Lord, is yours. I want it to be yours. And each day is yours. And there was something that happened, I don't know exactly when, but a shift away from a kind of Christian moment mentality, where I was waiting for the moment, I was waiting for the conference, the significant events, and I started to enjoy more the everyday, the everyday Christianity, the everyday following of Jesus, the everyday walking in the Spirit, because that's where there is such joy. That's what people are after. That's what people want, a daily contentment, a daily joy, and it's available to us. And so I want to encourage us with that. I want to be practical. I want to be helpful. This is our last session. You've done well, especially if you sat on the floor every single session. Respect. Um, And uh, there's no extra prize for you. Just respect. Um, And a little bit shorter, which I'm sure some of you uh, will appreciate from me, um, to to just kind of keep it a little bit shorter in terms of my speaking to you, but then a bit more time for response afterwards. got a specific way I want us to respond to pray over one another as we get to the end. I also want to kind of add to, um, helpfully, and aid what's already been said. I don't want to go off on another tangent. I don't want to be like, everything else that's been spoken has been great, but I've got the most important message. I want to kind of come under everything that has been said. And um, one thing I want to focus in on is prayer. And praying in the secret place. That's what I want to talk about. And thinking about all that we've heard um, so far um, about Um, being a sent generation and going after revival particularly um, and wanting to see these incredible moves of God where there's a quickening of God's presence amongst us and miraculous things happening I'm excited for that I want to pray more for that 
But if we get fixated on the moment, or we're just all about that single moment, we're going to miss out on what God has for us in the everyday. And actually, thinking about all that was shared about where revival comes from and how God moves through revival is that he moves through people who have been praying, and have been praying, and have been praying, and have been constant in prayer. And they weren't doing it to be the ones who started the revival. That's not why they were starting, why they were praying. They were praying because they wanted to be constant in prayer. They just wanted to continue to petition God in prayer, to ask him to move. Whether their names got remembered or not. Whether their faces appeared on the screen yesterday or not. That didn't matter to them. I want us to be that generation. I want to be that kind of person who is just ready to pray in and out of season, in public and in private. And actually that's more important. It's good for us to gather like this. Public prayer is really, really important. Jesus prayed in public. The church must gather to pray. We must have prayer meetings. These kind of getaways are good. We have prayers of many as relational missions. Times where we gather together as churches across our church family to regularly pray throughout the year and ask him to move in incredible ways. So it's important. But if we're just doing it in public, that's a problem. If we're just doing it at these kinds of times, if we're just moments Christians, it's an issue. It's a great thing to be able to continue to pray. And Jesus calls us to first and foremost pray in secrets. Let's read from Matthew 6, where he talks about this. I'll read verses 1 and then 5 to 8. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Jumping down to verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for, many wor- for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Praying in the secret place. And this warning at the start of this chapter isn't, necess- isn't just saying don't pray in front of others. Like I'm saying, public prayer is good and it's important. But what Jesus is saying is don't do it to be seen doing it. Don't do it to be seen by others, to appear as the Christian one, the excitable one, the passionate one, the righteous one, the Christian one. It happens all the time. I find myself getting caught up when it comes to public prayer with mixed motives. I gather in this kind of setting amongst you guys and in other times and there is a genuine want. I I feel it in my heart, a genuine want to genuinely pray to God, to lift up his name, to stand before him and to ask for things and to use that opportunity to encourage one another. As we pray and as you've been doing so well throughout these two days, as we pray out loud, it does something good for all of us. It builds us up. We can um, engage with each one another's faith. If someone's feeling down, our prayers can lift one another up. 
So it's a good thing that we gather, and I feel that in my heart, but at the same time, I do want to appear pretty good quite a lot of the time. I want my prayers to sound impressive. There's a lot going on. Can I find a better word? I'm using my Christian thesaurus to find a bigger word. There it is. Propitiation. And it's a better prayer already. Or you spot the leader over there who you really want to, want to impress. Or that girl over there who you fancy. Uh, not me anymore. Uh, happily married. Um, <laughs> but it could be, the big word will seal the deal. These things can go through our heads and suddenly we've got those mixed motives. Because we're just, the human heart is susceptible to crave after the praise of man. And the adulation of others. It's so easy. It happens all the time. And to one extent I've kind of, I, I fight that battle. But I understand that my, my heart is broken and it's flawed and that will keep rearing its ugly head. And I keep asking, oh God, crucify that Lord, get rid of that. I don't want that. It keeps coming up. I hate being the hypocritical man. But praying in private, if we pray in the secret place, that affects that. That can help with that. That can change the way that we pray in public. It's the foundation underneath. As we keep talking about as a constant image, a constant teaching throughout scripture, it's not about the outward first, it's the inward first. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if we can learn to be those who pray in the secret place, then our public prayers, our time of gathering to pray like this, our time of petitioning after God together and asking him to come in revival, is going to have a firm foundation when we know that we're coming with a more genuine heart, a more contrite heart, and in a more acceptable way before God. So I don't come with this all sorted. I don't come being like, I've nailed it. Here's my top tips. Um, This is just three thoughts out of these verses that I want to uh, hopefully encourage you guys with. As we leave from here, to be able to continue in prayer. That when you're by yourself, when you're alone, as we've talked about, you can still have great joy. You can still enjoy the presence of God and you can still pray to him. So I'm going to talk about that secret prayer teaches us intimate prayers, simple prayers, and how Jesus prayed. So I'll unpack those three thoughts for us. So secret prayer teaches us intimate prayers. Intimacy. That's about closeness. There's a a fun kind of way of remembering the word about into me see to be able to look into somebody to know them deep down that's a good way of understanding intimacy and in prayer we get to be intimate with God we get to come close we get to talk to him and hear him talk to us things that he's not saying to anybody else and we can say things to him that we're not saying to anybody else but life can be hard to find truly intimate moments because often there's kind of two conversations that we find we have a lot of the time especially in a context like this or in church life one is small talk Um, some of you might absolutely love small talk some of you 
hate small talk. I'm, I'm a fan. I can cope with small talk um, because it helps to get to know one another. You've just met. I'm unlikely to go super deep and be like, oh, we've just met. What's your worst sin? Um, that's not a good start. I'm going to ask you where you're from um, and uh, what you do and any interests and hobbies. It helps us to find some common ground. But of course, it's small talk. It doesn't last long. It can stay shallow. Another type of conversation we often have is we find ourselves in kind of group conversations. We find ourselves in threes and fours and sixes and how many of us are here. And we can be in our big Christian circles and have our small talk. Um, and it can be hard to find a way in and hard to really get to know one another. I enjoy group conversations. I enjoy that it can help us feel included and get to know one another. Um, but again, that's really hard to go deep. But intimacy through prayer in the secret place, where it's just you and God, just one-on-one, and you can have those deep, big conversations with him. What an amazing thing. It's something that we need to do more. I can drift through a lot of life and realise I haven't had those deep conversations. I haven't truly opened up. And even with our most intimates in life, there can still be some things that we just find really hard to get to that deep layer, to go to that deep layer, to talk about that thing. With God, you can talk about anything, at any time. And with God, he knows everything about you. It's a scary thought that even my wife doesn't know everything about me. Yet with God, he does into me see he sees every single part of me he sees every single part of you so if we can learn to be those who come into the secret place and to just open ourselves up knowing that he sees everything be a wonderful thing it is a countercultural thing it's a tough thing growing up through your teenage years and being a young adult to learn about what it is to kind of open up and share with one another. It's something that we need to learn and we don't really teach one another. Maybe we learn from our parents or from good friends or we've got great uh, context in our churches. But across society, it's a really hard thing to find, to be open and honest. Most of the time, we're kind of putting on a bit of a front, the secret place, just you and God. Are you just being open and honest? We need it. We need to be the opposite of the hypocrites who are doing all of their prayers for show. It was so everybody could see what they're doing. Verse 5 of chapter 6. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners that they may be seen by others. It's just a performance. That's all it was. There's nothing real, nothing genuine, nothing vulnerable or true about it. Jesus' teaching is very different. Verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. Who's allowed in your room? That's probably something you had to work out and make very clear when you're a teenager, when you're living at home. Who's allowed in the room, who isn't? Or when they're allowed in your room, when you're not. It's a secret place, it's a private place where we can withdraw. Sometimes your room is where you feel most yourself, where you're not being watched, where you can just rest and relax. That sense of privacy and separation. 
where those intimate things go on, where we sleep, where we get changed, where we maybe write a diary, where we just have our own personal thoughts. It's a special place, just in a room, by yourself. What it means to shut the door as well. Not for the sake of separation, but for that sake of privacy. To think of when a room maybe becomes a marital room, where it's shared between a husband and wife, where the most private of conversations go on between a husband and wife. This Christmas, that's pretty much been the only place where my wife and I have been able to just have our own conversations. Because being surrounded by family, to withdraw, to shut the door, it's just a picture, a small picture of the intimacy that's available to all of us if we pray in secret. Where you can withdraw to your room. Maybe that's a habit you do already. Or that's something you can start to do over this year, to just separate yourself. And maybe metaphorically to do that. To just go and distance yourself from others at times, just to create some space so you can have genuine, intimate prayer with God. It's something available all the time. You don't have to wait until the next sense event to be able to pray. You can have this true intimacy. You can meet with God in incredible ways if you pray in the secret place. If you learn to withdraw to a place where it's just you and God. And be raw. I had to learn that. I'm still learning that. God knows everything. Why do I spend time trying to um, explain things or trying to make excuses for things or I'll acknowledge this before you God but I'm not talking about that. I'm still trying to cover things up. I'm still trying to atone for things myself before I bring them to... He knows them anyway. What's the point? It's exhausting in the secret place. Shut that door and just pray before God. Raw prayers, vulnerable prayers genuine prayers are you tired of shallow prayers are you tired of shallow prayers I'm tired of them I'm tired of going over the same things I want to go to new depths maybe this year that's what's going to happen for you you're going to learn something about prayer it's going to go deeper it's going to be hard it's going to expose things but scripture teaches us that as things are brought out of darkness it's into his marvellous light where there's forgiveness as you confess and repent in the secret place, you're just going to feel a wash of the forgiveness of God. I think that's something for a lot of us to learn about. Maybe something you've not actually done. Confessed and repented to God all by yourself, in your room, in secret. Maybe being in your room and being in the secret place, that's where you find yourself most likely to sin. That there's things because you feel like nobody's watching, I can get away with this. I'm watching things that I'm ashamed of. I'm doing things, I'm thinking things. That can be radically transformed. That can be radically changed. Your room, that secret place, can be somewhere where actually that's no longer the issue. That God is going to remove that from you this year. He's going to help you with that and lead you away from that behaviour, that addiction, those thoughts, those feelings. And it's going to be a place of light. It's going to be a place of intimacy with God. Secret prayer teaches us intimate prayers. Secondly, secret prayer teaches us simple prayers. That we're able to keep our prayers 
simple. We don't have to over-elaborate. We don't have to find all the big words in, in Scripture. We can just keep it simple. This Christmas... We uh, watched the Harren and Meghan documentary. Uh, there's probably some lovers and haters in here um, for that. We made our way through it. Uh, we had to fill some time. Um, so that's what we watched. And all those talking heads in those kind of shows, um, there's always those ones that my wife and I really enjoy listening to and the people that just wind us up. And it's normally because person A um, uses five words, ten words to describe something. The next person is taking their moments to say 50, 100 words um, to describe something uh, about their best friends, Harry and Megs. Um, and um, we can over-elaborate. We can find ways to try and fill time or fill the air or keep attention by saying words over and over and over again. Um, this was a useful trick. Anybody going into university? Um, it's a useful trick for your essays um, to over-elaborate your words. Um, a top tip, instead of using like EG, um, stretch that bad boy out. Um, you can say, an appropriate and useful example of this instance is as follows. That's 11 words. And that, that essay writes itself. This is a, that's an example of an empty phrase. And this is what Jesus challenges. Verse 7, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. The type of prayer that Jesus is talking about here was Gentile prayer, foreign prayer to foreign gods, where it would be very elaborate. It would be long, complicated, repetitive, grandiose in all that they were saying. Their prayers were ultimately completely empty because they were praying to gods that didn't exist. Jesus is saying, don't imitate that. That doesn't do anything. That doesn't add anything to your prayers. That doesn't add anything to how I see you, how I value you, how I'm going to listen to what you're saying. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Why worry about finding as many big words as possible? Why have that internal monologue of need to find a bigger word, need to find a better word, need to find a more impressive phrase to be able to say it doesn't add anything. And one big reason that doesn't really make much difference. Jesus says, verse, where am I, verse 8. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Just like I was saying about intimate prayers, he knows everything about you. And in this, he knows everything that you want to ask. He knows everything that's on your heart. He knows your prayer before you pray it. He knows the desires. He knows what you're going to bring in petition and thanksgiving and, and who you're going to intercede for. He knows all of these things already. He knows what's on our hearts and our minds before they're on our lips. It doesn't mean we shouldn't pray out loud. You could then go too far and be like, well, you don't even have to ever pray out loud. It is a helpful thing, even in the secret place. Even when you're just by yourself, I find it useful when I'm by myself to still pray out loud. Because there's something about it which helps me just put my mind on it. But I don't need to over-elaborate with God. I don't need to embellish. Let me give you an appropriate and useful example of this type of instance. When, um, when we were um, struggling with a house, we'd moved to a new house and we immediately struggled 
with neighbours and uh, I guess in the excitement of, of having our own place uh, and also just never experiencing that kind of thing before, pretty vulnerable place, it really, really kind of um, broke us down. It was a pretty traumatic thing to go through. And in that time, I remember uh, when it felt like all I could do um, when I was, was really struggling with it in the house uh, and struggling was to come to God and suddenly, because of feeling vulnerable, feeling broken and coming to something with him that felt so personal, so difficult, there was a greater intimacy because I was just honest with him and there was a greater simplicity because I was at my end. And I was genuinely coming to him, asking him for help. And they were slow prayers, because sometimes I wasn't sure exactly what to say. They were raw prayers, and they were short, because I, I just wasn't sure exactly what to say, and I was something, bringing something of myself. And I learned from that. There are still times when I over-elaborate, and I'm aware, even when I'm preaching, if I repeat myself, or if I say another phrase, I'm always prone to it. But if we can find that place, that secret place, be intimate with God, keep our prayers simple, not overthink things, it's a wonderful thing, it's a releasing thing. If you feel like you struggle with prayer, maybe you find finding words difficult, or you hear the prayers of others and it all sounds really impressive and that maybe stops you because, oh, I can't quote a full scripture or I can't use those big impressive words or I've only got some, like one thing that I want to pray for, you're in a good place. Don't let comparison rob you of a simple prayer that God loves. Pray simply in the secret place. Don't do it for performance before others. It's not impressive. If you're in the secret place and you want to maybe include prayer, um, scripture in um, your prayers, then just keep it simple. Open up scripture and just read it. If you want to memorise things, then do that. But you don't have to quote um, God, it says in Matthew 6 verse 1, because he knows that's where it is. You can just pray to him and say, God, I love you. I know you love me. Help me to not pray to perform in front of others. Help me when I'm just praying to perform. I want to pray to you genuinely. It's so simple. We can just keep things super simple, super short. Don't be afraid to kind of leave gaps. I think sometimes we do that way, like, uh, especially in public, we're very wary of like making sure things move from one thing to the next or in our prayers. Learn to just slow down. Learn to pause between the things that you are saying. Take some time. If you're not sure what to say, just, just stop. Wait. Let the Holy Spirit lead and guide your prayers. And then pray again. Bring another prayer before God. If these things can happen in the secret place, in the private place, it's going to inevitably inform and lead your prayers in public. And it's going to be a better thing. When we gather to pray, and if we're a generation, if we're a people that have learnt about praying intimately to God, and simply to God, and that's the kind of prayers that we bring when we're together, it's going to do a wonderful thing. It's going to help us in our journey, in our want and our desire to see God move in significant ways. When we're calling on God to come in power and to bring revival, 
and we're praying those through intimate and simple prayers. It's an amazing thing. That's part of what kind of stood out to me with the, with the videos, especially uh, one of the ladies from the, uh, the Hebridean Islands. A lot of the things that she was saying, they were just kind of simple. They were short phrases, short reflections on what happened. And I assume that's part of how she prays. The way that she talks would be the way that she probably prays, intimately and simply. But if it's not happening in the secret place, then in the public place, that's a shallow thing. It ends up often being for others. But if we have that foundation of praying in the secret place, intimately and simply, it's a wonderful thing. Because, and this is my final point, this is how Jesus prayed. Jesus went to the secret place time and time and time again. It was his rhythm. It was his routine. It's what he wanted to do. It seems, as you read the Gospel, that that was Jesus' favourite place. To be away just with his Father. And to just have that intimate conversation with his Father in heaven. Jesus didn't shy away from public prayer. We see him many, many times praying in public, praying in the temple, around tables with people, amongst crowds. But what defined Jesus' routine, what defined his heart, the foundation for it all, was that he retreated from the crowds to pray in the mornings and the evenings by himself. Sometimes it reads as if he was praying all through the night. An average day was pretty hectic for Jesus. His, once his ministry started, he was followed pretty much at all times, crowds hoarding to him, questions constantly being asked, um, miracles being demanded of him. He would cover miles, deliver lots of teaching. That's just in his diary on a Monday. Um, and so life would be busy, but it was the right thing. That's the thing that he wanted to do. And his life is a model for us, as we've, as we've thought about over these two days. He would go to that secret place. He would shut that door and just be with his Father in heaven. Love the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus' prayer, where he is with his disciples, but again he steps away to just find that place where it's just him and his Father. And it's a great example of an intimate and simple prayer. Oh, if we could pray like Jesus, please help me with that, Lord. Because it's an amazing prayer. In Matthew 26, verse 39, Jesus says, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. What an amazing prayer. The depth of that prayer where we get to see this relationship that Jesus has with my Father, my Father, he says. If it be possible, he's being honest and genuine before God, before the Father in heaven. Let this cup, the, the, the call, the, the, his obedience to, to, to submit to death on a cross, let this cup pass from me nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will, submitting to the Father. So simple. Such a simple prayer. And the next part of Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 6, Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer. 
Again, so simple. It's an amazing prayer. Let me read it to us from verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is a lot shorter than the majority of our prayers. Yet it is so much deeper than most of our prayers. It's Jesus' prayer that he's taught us. So that makes sense. But I would go through that. Growing up in the Church of England and in a lot of church Christian contexts, we do recite that. And Jesus has taught it for us to pray together. But I don't really think about it. I want to pray this prayer in the secret place. I want to look at how Jesus prayed and imitate that more often in the secret place when I'm by myself, knowing that that will be a foundation for my public prayer. That will be something that I can keep coming back to day after day and will be a much surer foundation to build my life on, to not have to wait until the next conference, to not have to wait until the next prayer meeting, but to have genuine, intimate simple Jesus-like prayers that's a generation changing type of thing if we can all have that through 2023 and it's available to us we can all go into that secret place we can all pray to God that's been made available to us it's a radical thing it's like we said the foundation for seeing great moves of God in that place you can find such clarity about whether you feel like you're sent to go and do a specific thing or to go to a specific place. Like I said, it's like I want to kind of build on what's being said and with Thule earlier, talking about foundations for being sent. Just want to bring this in with everything else that Thule was sharing. If we can add in praying in the secret place and you can bring that into your prayer meetings. Like has been said, do you go along to your church prayer meetings? Are there regular church prayer meetings if not could you start it could you talk to your church leaders to your elders about let's gather to pray and talk about your motivation that comes from a secret place that you feel like in 2023 i learned something about what it was to genuinely intimately and simply pray to my father in heaven and when you do that you're going to encounter god in amazing ways love Adam's testimony of just meeting in the house. It wasn't in a big meeting. You can have significant times with God, life-changing times just at home, in your room, with the door shut, no longer defined by behaviours that you're ashamed of, but instead defined by a great move of God in your life. I want that for us. I want that for you. And hopefully I have been a bit shorter because I'm done. And I want us to respond. So can we stand? Uh, We're just going to start quite simply.
and I want you to um, this is this is going to be a, a real challenge um, because it's it's almost like the opposite of a secret place where it's just you in a room. Uh, it's in a big room full of lots of people. But in our hearts, if we're able to just take a moment, definitely close your eyes to remove the other distractions. And just for those next couple of minutes, just practice going into that secret place. You can do that because you can position your heart where it's just before God. You can put your mind onto the things of God. And you can pray silently in your head to God.